Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Welcome to an ostensibly spooky episode of Hot Takes. I'm Elijah West. With me as always is Brother Bishki. Your arm is mint. We got Brother Lucas in the back seat of the Red Dragon. <laughs> you guys, it's just us three tonight. How long has it been since it's just been the three of us? Uh... Just the three of us. <laughs> It's kind of intimate for the yeah. rest of your life. <laughs> the movie is The Black Phone. Mm. And we saw it at the Burbank Six. And dear listener, the Six is in... It's rickety. It's, it it's in the, dire it's, straits. It's kind of the perfect venue for this film because <laughs> most of this film is set in a basement. And we go down to the Burbank Six. The, oh. es- the escalator's not working. Subterranean escalator's broken. They have a guy checking your ticket as well as selling you tickets. So you have to like cut in front of people to get your barcode scanned it's for the chaos. people that are trying to buy in real time, which blows my mind that it still happens. And then when you get down into the sub-basement level of the six. The hub. The temperature rises exponentially. 15, 20 degrees They don't easy. give a shit there's about no, air conditioning. There's no ventilation. Yeah. There's no ceiling fans. There's you, no windows. I brought a sweatshirt because I was expecting AC, but then I just was like, oh And then you God. just soak through your shirt like I did. Your in the, cell phone in the service is gone. It is a horror show down there. Yeah. And during the trailers, the audio was all fucked up. Yeah, the audio started cutting out during the new Nope trailer. And during the Kidman, during Queen Kidman. It was brutal. The audience was just like ready to revolt. The Kidman snafu was a bridge too far for this audience. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah. revolted. There were a lot of people going out to speak to the manager. And the so, manager even came in. This is the first time in my life yes. a manager actually came into the theater to tell us what's going on. Yeah. And we all applauded him. But one of us <laughs> should have shouted and fix the AC. Fix the fucking AC. <laughs> yeah, it was stuffy AF. And yeah. we were all the way in the back, all the way up toward the top so high up that when Bishki came back from getting a drink his entire body was silhouetted walking past the screen and some people <laughs> applauded that yeah people were looking for a good time tonight yeah mm-hmm. and then the movie started yeah Oof. before Oof. now before we get into it how do you get the protein as quick as possible into the bloodstream a little schnapps we're on RottenTomatoes.com. We got a schnapps. <laughs> Says, Finny, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy, is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement 
or screaming is of little use. When a disconnected phone on the wall begins to ring, Finney discovers that he can hear the voices of the killer's previous victims, and they are set on making sure that what happened to them doesn't happen to Finney. Little Finney Wolfhard. Oh, man. I wish. Oh, man. Do you think that's why they named him that? Because he looked like Finn Wolfhard? Yeah. He looks like Finn Wolfhard, a.k.a. Finn Wolfhard, mixed with a little bit of young LaBeouf without any of the intensity. Low key. Very low key. Now, this movie is set in the late 70s, and it opens on a youth baseball game. And for my dollar, nothing will torpedo your time period set piece believability quicker than having a CG baseball. That was a CG baseball that they were using. Okay. When our hero pitches. I wasn't paying that much attention at that point. I was. When our hero pitches, it's a CG baseball. When a dude hits the ball, it's CG. Gone are the days when we could just have some adequate baseballmanship on screen? I didn't notice it was CG, but I noticed that the pitch was really, really unusually fast. (laughs) I was like, wow, that was a fast pitch. (laughs) Yeah, well, next time you see this movie, check it out. Oh, man. But I was confused by the cold open because Scott Derrickson, the director, is like so kind of hacky that you think, oh, the pitcher is the lead. And then it cuts to the, the batter. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's the batter. He's the lead. Oh, wait, no. No, he's, it, he's it was not, the pitcher. He's not the lead. It was the pitcher. But even the cold open was kind of flat. I was just like, yeah. It was just right off the bat. I was like, not on board. Yeah, it's... It, <sighs> We're just starting out. And... <laughs> I knew. I mean, I was fine with it. 70s period piece, North Denver, kidnapper, abduction movie. Okay. The the schnapp sounds fine. Yeah. And when I knew we were in trouble was when the detectives, like, first oh, move. Can we talk about the detectives? Well, the detectives weren't great, but the detectives' <laughs> first move was to question a girl who's had a dream yeah like and i was like and it's oh, not this- set up like none of it's set up no like I, nothing no, is she, set does, up. she doesn't have the dream before this happens it's just like did you have a dream about a kidnapper the two lead detectives oh, feel like mandated local hires in a particularly silly canadian lifetime movie yeah and they are so not hard charging oh they are positively soft charging there's nothing hard charging and in this you movie. do not believe for a fraction of a second that they are detectives no at all and i didn't believe the hierarchy of the bullies in the school either because everybody was a dork yeah yeah like there are certain things you have to hit in order to make it believable or not give you a hitch in your get along and it was stumbling left and right Mm -hmm. out of the gate for Mm -hmm. me like the style is so flat it's bad. And I mean, I didn't realize how bad a director this guy was. It's like, but it's, like, wow. It is like the absence of style. Like you, you can make anything creepy if you bring the right style to it. And you're getting a softball, as it were, tossed up on a silver platter. A psycho in a black van in the late 70s is going around snatching and killing kids. And he's like a magician, like John Wayne Gacy was a clown. Slam like, like, 
dunk. You could totally milk that and draw it out. And mm. it's it's like, uh, it's it's non-existent. It's like nothing. Everything like, is just so matter-of-factly pointed to establishing shoot shots are like 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 clipped and jarring and like not very good, you know? And they're I was just, And anytime the grabber shows up to do anything, it just slowly fades to black. Or which, gets soft. It gets like soft, soft and, and then black. Yeah. And then and like, it's called the grabber. Like <laughs> there's nothing frightening. Ethan Hawk plays the grabber. <laughs> he does. In the credits, he's the grabber. He's the grabber. And he not the black magician no, or Jeremy the dark Davies magician. Jeremy Davies plays the father of these two children. Yeah. And who's worse than Ethan Hawke. Who's worse than Ethan Hawke. What beats in the, the actual fuck? Beats it's like, his daughter relentlessly with It's like someone watched Stranger Things and was like, you know what? Stranger Things needs more of. Eleven getting her fucking ass whipped by her alcoholic father where she's like begging for mercy. That's what it needs. That's yeah. what like more movies and cinema needs so today. Ugly. Now more than ever. So ugly. And here's the thing. Here's what makes it even uglier. The acting's not great. And Jeremy Davies, who plays the father of our heroes, Oof. is way more frightening than Ethan Hawke ever is because it always fades to black before we see Ethan Hawke doing anything remotely dastardly. Yeah. Ethan Hawke's motives are very... He's uh, like a goofball in this. Yeah. It's He's like, a goofball. Like that's a when the vague goofball. That's when the movie just hit rock bottom when we hit the basement when and that we was, hit that and dungeon that, and that was about ha like a half hour it, in it's like you're all a bunch of it's like you're all a bunch of cowards because it's like clearly <laughs> you, you you can't go where it should go which is like into a really dark creepy place yeah. between the two of them yeah that's so the it's problem. like yeah and that's so a it's fail like, with that's a failing with the script and possibly the story you start to really feel that it was adapted from a short Story, yeah, by yeah. Stephen King's son Joe Hill, who's a fucking hack. His yeah. movie horns Let's sucks. Settle down. Total, this total short story might have been creepy when you're reading it in the <laughs> bathtub late at night, but when you're watching a screenplay adaptation written by two bros that think they're more clever than they are, this is total nuclear annihilation. It's fucking <laughs> just worthless. Oh, yeah. I, and I feel bad for Ethan Hawke and and Jeremy Davies and James Ransone. Like, I feel bad for all these actors because like, these are all thankless day player parts. Let's be honest here. any idea why Ethan Hawke would have said yes to this? Because like, he's friends with the director. Yeah. They made oh. Sinister. It's like, oh, hey, okay. let's make some oh, money. Okay. Universal's giving Jason Blum blank checks over there. Let's just crank them out. And Ethan wanted to be a bad guy and, and do some weird goofy stuff with it yeah but the problem is he had nothing to do he had nothing to do it's told that he has killed all these children but we never see anything no. and he is pretty polite to our hero for the most part yeah. like our hero doesn't seem that scared so why the fuck should we and how do you set up that the hero's real dad beats his fam him with a bell and then, like, Ethan Hawke beats the kids to death with a belt. Yeah, but it doesn't pay of off. But, like, it doesn't pay off or tie into anything. It's just like, yeah, people in the 70s like to beat the fuck out of their kids with belts. What can I tell you? <laughs> I think that's the takeaway. <laughs> and, and dad is just, I'm sorry at the end. And that's it. And that's it. Dude, yeah. fuck that scene. <laughs> we watched. I, I, w I, w I wish the kid took his belt off and beat his dad in front of all those fucking cops and paramedics. And they'd be like, what's going on? And we, the kid's like, payback. We watch our hero get beat and terrorized by bullies the whole movie he doesn't even remotely fight back which i get that they're building that up for him to fight back with ethan hawk eventually but with his dad that shit goes nowhere and it's hard to root for this kid when he's just flatlined 
Mm-hmm. It, it, he doesn't seem to have any peaks and valleys until the very end he gets he gets riled up. It's so redundant. Every scene with the phone ringing, it gets so well, let's tedious. let's talk about the phone ringing. Where you're just like, oh, fuck me. The whole movie's just going to be him going, hello? Like, was, every fucking five minutes, hello? I was wondering. Is this, is this Bishki? Hello? Is this Lodgemaster? Hello? Is this Lucas? Hello? Is this uh, someone else who I don't know? Hello? I felt bad because at... About the third time the phone rang, I ro- was rolling my eyes and I was just like over it. Yeah. But you're supposed to be leaning forward and like super creeped out and intrigued. Yeah. This should be like a game in the basement with clues and let's get out of here. But it doesn't g- move forward at all. His sister keeps having these dreams <laughs> of... of That don't even... That, 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 that don't even... That, they don't matter. They yeah, don't matter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so the cops showed up at the end because she had a dream about it? Doesn't matter. She just got out on his own anyway. She's just biking around town looking for Boys, her brother. We need to talk about the aesthetic of these dreams. The dreams Ooh, are, are shot on eight millimeter. Are basically just eight millimeter home movie Stroll style. Blade. But not creepy in the least. No, like. And they show Ethan Hawke like with, with his black balloons and you hear him go like, hee 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 hee. Oh, God. And it, is, it is the last thing that you would think of as scary. It is the antithesis of scary. And it's tough to look at. Like, I looked away during some of those quote unquote scary oh, dream moments. And the black phone keeps ringing. And the child acting in this is not good. No. I chalk it up to the directing because I don't script. I don't want to totally lay it at their feet. Yeah. But the acting is not strong. And then when you just bring it to the phone level where it's just dialogue, it is laid bare as such. Mm. And it is just not intriguing. It is so flat. it flat. is flat. And Lucas, you use that term so often on this podcast. <laughs> and so often I'm like, flat, come on, man. You know, there's there's some dynamics. Nah. It's like a Jay Leno joke, you know? He just drops like a dead fish on a table, you know? And just kind of like shakes his head like, hey, how about that, huh? Yeah. But this is what pisses me off is like the, the, the ghost kids are like, yeah, Ethan Hawke can hear the phone ring too, but he doesn't want to believe it. I'm like, then why the fuck is the phone in the kid's room? Why, If I'm Ethan Hawke, yeah. why am I not taking that phone out? Ethan was it's leaving a, s- a lot of tools at that kid's disposal. He's got a full working toilet that he can disassemble. Gives he, him like macaroni and cheese every day. Gives him a glass bottle yeah. of like 7-Up or something. Um, or Sundrop. Yeah, it was uh, but also generic. Like, but also, but- like, the, the phone is pointless because let's just think about it. At the end of the day, the kid pretty much got out on his own. Not not because, right. you know, they, they like, oh, the keys under the toilet seat and that will unlock the thing that will get you here. It's like, no, none of that happened. It was like everything well, they told him to do didn't pan out. He so in the end, he just, he just raged out. <laughs> he tries it. Like, the scene that really got me was when the kid and they try to break it up a little bit by showing the dead kid in the space talking with phone voiceover oh, voice. they try to get a little creepiness which little, is not that, that jump scare that was some disney shit which yeah that's what i was creepy. like oh my god but there's a kid that tells him that ethan hawk is using his old padlock on the door and he you know he kind of knows remembers the combination but kind of doesn't so you're gonna need to try out all these numbers he creeps up there past a sleeping Ethan Hawke who just sleeps sitting up in his kitchen <laughs> hilariously. They think it's super creepy. With yeah. a mask on. And 
it's shot all wrong. Like he just kind of walks past him in a medium shot. Like that's the kind of shit where you cut to the foot, you get a squeak, you get a hoop. Is he going to wake? Like uh, just such rudimentary thriller shit that they just bypass. But anyway, that's not my problem necessarily. My bigger problem is when he gets out, he's sprinting down the street and he allows Ethan Hawke to pull pull out to get into his van, start up the van, pull out, and drive out in front of him to block him. Like, kid, you're on foot. And the kid runs right into the van. He runs right into the van like a fucking lemming. (laughs) How are you supposed to root for this kid? Seriously, I would have been hopping fences into people's yards. No, when a car is chasing you, you don't run down the sidewalk. You you run through someone's yard and through someone else's yard, like Ferris Bueller, until you're in someone else's yard. And then you hide in another yard and they won't be able to find you. Like, I was ready to just consign him to the dungeon and mm. be fine with that mm-hmm. at that point. Like, just keep him there. Yeah. Do whatever. He had his shot. I yeah. wanted the daughter to tell her dad, I had a dream. You got to go here. The dad goes there. And then, and, and then Ethan Hawke whips the dad to death with the belt. Or they whip each other to death and get off on it or something. And then yeah. the cops bust them. Anything. Or, another or, shitty scene. Oh, wait, oh sorry. No, <laughs> well, another shitty scene. <laughs> Is Ethan Hawke has a brother oh, who's a coked oh. up, felt like a studio note add-on. I don't know like, who this guy was, but he's a terrible actor. It was it was a super flat. It was supposed to be before. Fa- James Ransone okay. from The Wire, from The Wire season, season, okay. two. season two, whatever. He's, he's supposed to. Be, it's supposed to be a really funny scene yeah. with these lame ass detectives, and he's just like, I'm trying to solve the case. I'm trying to, solve, and he's just like, you don't even know who he is or where he's from or why the yeah. cops are showing up. It's a total random scene, and then the that is, is tonally has nothing to do with the movie we've seen with kids getting beaten half the time. And the cops see the lines of cocaine on the table. And they're just like, uh, uh, get your shit together. And then it was a different then, time. Yeah. Well, but then they're just, then the cops just leave with like this suspect that yeah, uh, it's, it's rough. And then, and he's only there to get killed later. He comes back. Yeah. He does get killed later. He comes back. It's the worst Blocking. use of a Pink Floyd. Like, Ooh, I love that yeah. song. I love oh, Dark yeah. Side of the Moon. Oh, and you used me. On the Run, and that that's all me. you did with it? Like, that oh my me. God, you that, sons of bitches. That burbling oh. synthesizer. That yeah. <laughs> so it's, you could do so much with that song, and you, and you wasted it. I feel like the movie would have been better had, and I think this is a live rewrite. Oh shit, all right, fine. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Had this been more of a cat and mouse, like, actor's piece, think Silence of the Lambs with Hannibal Lecter. It obviously wants to be Silence of the Lambs with that fake out at the end. And the way, yeah, and the way you do it with a black phone in the room, let's just say, like, let's say Ethan Hawke is like, yeah, I've installed the phone and and whenever you need something, you can call me and I'll be upstairs and I'll come down. So now you have a fucking excuse as to why there's a fucking phone in the space, all right? It's a big shrug as it is. And and so Ethan Hawke's got his whole little ritual and plan of what he's going to do with this kid because it's kid victim number six or whatever. He's like an old hand at this, right? However, what Ethan Hawke doesn't know is all the kids that he's killed is calling this kid on this phone and they're giving this kid information. Not how to escape like fucking MacGyver and the rafters or crawling up carpet squares or rolls or whatever, but psychologically, like mind games, like 
through like through all the torture and all the death and all the murder, these these past prior victims have gleaned exposition and information about Ethan Hawke or his right. brother yeah. or his childhood or blah 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 or where their fucking bodies are yeah. buried. Mind so, games. So when yeah. Ethan Hawke comes in and tries to fuck with him, the kid just fucks with him right back, and yes. Ethan Hawke's got to take it seriously because he's like, wait a second, how'd you how, know that? How does he know this? Lucas, right. God bless you yet yeah. again. And that's probably what your mind fills in the blanks yeah. with you when you read that schnapps. You're like, oh, that sounds good. They're going to, you know, it's nothing like that. Yeah, you got a lot of time to think about rewrites in this movie. <laughs> but even the, the concept is so ludicrous. And I remember seeing this trailer a, like a while ago. I remember thinking that, like, oh, man, this that, that doesn't seem like that's going to work. And then, yeah, tonight we kind of rallied last minute. Like, let's just sneak in here before <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder just takes over all the screens. <laughs> And, and, uh, I was just, yeah, I was, my, I, my suspicions were confirmed. If it looks like piss and smells like piss, it's piss. Well, and this movie had buzz. Because you know why? Because Ethan Hawke is a real serious actor. Yeah. And you look at his last five movies where he's the lead. And I guarantee you they're interesting, provocative films that you're like, wow, he's striving for something for but, something but here's something else that that movie did the movie itself played mind games with its marketing strategy and i've seen this a lot now where they'll have a bunch of goof troop reviewers give it a hundred percent yeah on rotten tomatoes before official press screen yeah no i remember sending this to you and it was at like 96 percent. i was like wow but the first trailer says hundred percent on rotten tomatoes oh, so they evil. have it, it they build it in they build it in Fuck rotten. and they have Pre-bake. they have all these stumper reviewers from places you've never heard of i mean what do reviews mean anymore? What do we mean? Like, yeah, what is yeah. anything? It's all meaningless. <laughs> it's all meaningless. But to bake that in so that you're like, ooh, 100%. No, like, then people actually see it and it fucking drops. But this movie, on its black phone mysterious premise alone, is getting pretty favorable reactions from people. Which so, is disgusting. I felt like our row was pretty bored, but then there was like a smattering of laughter here and there, which I thought was surprising because I thought most people would be fucking checked out. Well, there's only one thing left to do. Let's go with them black phone bones. I can, be in the can I be first to bone? You could be first to bone first to bone okay i had a lot to think about well no i had nothing to think about and a lot of time to think about what i was going to do with my bone count so yeah. here it goes all this, right excellent this one's student feature certified whoa Ooh, student feature certified it's um definitely uh glorified short okay <laughs> glorified short. it's certainly laundry folding certified oh shit It's no gumbo. No gumbo. No gumbo. But I will give it the Brother Ben bump. It's a Brother Ben bump, y'all. And give it the Roger Ebert Memorial Half Bone. Oh, wow. Wow. I hated, hated, hated this movie. That's a lot of sound bites. <laughs> that was like a car pile of. My apologies to the Lodge Master. <laughs> that's what I came up. That's what I came up with when I was sitting in the basement of the Burbank Six for a long time. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. It's my pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure to give you every sound bite. 
Um, so that's a Roger Memorial half bone. <sighs> Brother Lucas, what you gonna do? Yeah, man. Uh, if if this was like a gritty indie film or something by like a, like a new voice, like you know someone putting it all on the field, putting it all on the line, or betting it all, like sure. they're gonna make this one movie, you're gonna make it just bug fuck crazy it's like the craziest supernatural premise you've ever heard and like all like it's gonna go to like dark true crime like places with john wayne gacy or whatever like yeah maybe there's something there you can like discover that at a festival like midnight screening or whatever yeah but blumhouse universal studios theatrical release Mm. like they should all be ashamed of themselves (laughs) like this is an ugly film it is very mean spirited. I do not appreciate children like being simulated, like like violent, horrific abuse. Right? Like imagine a- if you actually got beat like that and you were in the theater tonight. What that would do right. to you? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like yeah. how, how do you not gonna- punish the father in the film? Oh like, my god! It's almost darker Sick. because it. How do I explain this? It's all it. It almost feels darker because it doesn't go dark enough. Like it, it rides right down the middle and brings up these things, but it doesn't say anything about them or complete anything in a satisfying manner. So it feels like you need to take a shower. It does feel like film school edgelord shit where I can just feel the directors and writers just patting themselves on the back. Like, yeah, we're making an edgy dark movie, man. It's like real. Like, you know, it's like, like sometimes little girls get kicked in the face while they're down and like their blood's coming out their mouth. That happens all the time, every day in like all parts of America. Um, so yeah, if I was Donna Langley, the president of Universal and Jason Blum's like, yeah, this is what I want to make. I would say no, dude, like not at my studio. This is a woof. Woof. I also just remembered, uh, many years ago when I lived in an apartment that had a, uh, a landline and there was like a buzzer. So if people wanted to get into my apartment building, they had to like buzz me and my Mm -hmm. landline would ring. And I had a red telephone mm. uh, with a red like light on it because like sometimes it'd be like late at night and if like my roommates were sleeping, I would just like turn the ringer off, but I would sometimes see the red oh, light wow. flashing on the phone, which meant someone was like outside. That's trying to creepier get in. than anything in this movie. <laughs> but that's it. That's all I got. <sighs> well, okay. Very few things on this planet make me irrationally angry like you guys know me i'm not like uh i'm not the hottest head you know you know like i'm pretty i'm pretty laid back but heat makes me (laughs) irate it makes me Uh, irate uh i couldn't even recline because i was sweating so much i had to sit forward it makes me so angry when it is unnecessarily hot in any given location, especially in a movie theater, that's supposed to be ice cold. In the middle of summer, ice cold. It Heat needs wave. to be. It needs to be. This theater was failing on all fronts in that department. So I really, really have nothing good to say about this movie. But I have to chalk some of that up to heat. It's not a Brother Ben bump. 
It's a heat adjustment index that brings me to a Roger Ebert Memorial half bone. I hate it, hate it, hated this movie. I can't go full wolf because I was irrational, but I am somewhat relieved because I was feeling so grumpy about this movie, but you guys obviously are. Yeah, we were all kind of keeping, <laughs> even though we we're in the back row and we had no reason for it, we we're all kind of keeping to ourselves. Yep, yep, yep. Like I, there was some comments I was going to say towards Lucas, but I just didn't even have like the will to. I was no. No, I, like, I did not know what you guys were feeling. I don't know if no, you guys I didn't know were what getting, you were feeling. I was just like, I didn't know if this was a chilling tale for you guys. You know? I was so bored. <laughs> I was so disappointed with like even Hawk for saying yes to this movie. Apparently, eighty nine percent of the audience was feeling the chills, and eighty three percent of the critics. Oh my god! Standards for horror are just in the toilet. What I just the fucking hell? hate this shit, man. <laughs> Well, all that aside, it's been a pleasure doing business. <laughs> love you, with you, love boys. you, boys. Love you, boys. Love our listeners. Yes. Thanks for taking the journey with us. Yeah. Thanks for answering our call. Thanks for taking this shotgun blast to the face of film nerd rage. <laughs> love and light, y'all. Love and love light. And light.